Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford. And it's still really weird that it makes me click on that other screen before it shows the picture. And this is Avatar The Last Podcasters. This week we are on Sokka's Master. That is Book 3, Fire, Episode 4, Episode 44 overall. But first, before we get to any of the nonsense, Chris, how are you doing? I am doing better. That is the word I'll describe I'm doing. I don't get to... Uh deep or emotional in, in some of this but i don't know been, why not it's a safe space like there's yeah. a safe uh, well, a safe I'll, podcast yeah i'll save a lot of it for a, a, maybe a later video uh, but there was some terrible news uh kobe bryant passed away in a tragic and eight other people including his daughter passed away in a tragic helicopter uh, accident if we, we've talked about basketball before i'm a huge lakers fan have been since 1997 pretty much since he came in the league um and so like i took i usually don't take celebrity deaths that hard like ever like i never really shed a tear or anything but uh sunday was rough um but uh but no i think things have gotten a lot better i have just like gone gone to the point of uh of just really more so celebrating everything he's done his life stuff like that that always helps you get over it, which I know if I knew Kobe more personally, um, yeah, that's much harder. It's much harder for people to actually know him, but as a as a person who has seen his career over, you know, this whole entire time and stuff, it did uh, it did kind of weigh heavy heavy on me. Like I said, I'm a huge like fan. Also, it's you know I I easily cry in movies all the time, right? Because you watch a character and you empathize with the character when the character goes through something, it it's you you feel that and so like i watch basketball all the time and so i see these basketball players you know bigger than life and i know them to a certain degree you see them reacting to it and and uh and it's really easy to just feel those same emotions like hit you over the head again and again and again um but like i said things we've i've gotten into in a pretty good place a place where i can i wouldn't say process it all I can put into words a lot of my thoughts, which I'm going to do. Hopefully, I'll do a video on it uh, pretty soon. It's, it kind of spans beyond Kobe um, and to a certain extent. But I just started thinking about legacy, you know, and, and what is a legacy and and uh, and just, I don't know, how celebrity deaths are, you know, different from other people's deaths, but how that's not anything to necessarily be like a... a to hate them for it or, or to shame them for it like that or to or to look down at people who do mourn over celebrity deaths and everything it's um, always been oh i'm but like, I said before, hmm. uh, like i said before i've been uh really just kind of going through memory lane i think a lot of the players sharing their kobe stories uh even though you know they are emotional some of them are just like they're just so kobe-esque and they're uh and they're so some of them are really funny. <laughs> like last night, I watched a Ron Artest one, which you know who Ron Artest is. He his other name is Metal World Peace. He I had an NBA two K two first, so he'll always be Ron Artest to me. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he played he was Kobe Bryant's teammate, rival for a good some good years when he played for the Rockets. <laughs> like him and Kobe got into it a lot, which has to compare to Kobe was. Like if if he respected you, even if you hate each other on against him, he wanted you on the team, you know, at some point. Um, 
But it's fair to say that Ron Artest was was a pain in the rear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious to go back and watch this stuff. But uh, the Ron Artest joined their team in 2008. Lakers lost in the finals to the Celtics in 2008, and they lost in six games, I think, maybe mm-hmm. five games. Nope, six. Uh, but that last six, okay. But that last game, they got blown out, completely blown out, uh, like by. 38 maybe 40 points i remember being heated that went into work because i worked an overnight shift and so like i had to go into work right after the game was over and then i go in there's a celtics fan that kind of rub it in the end uh, but anyway ryan tess <laughs> he was he was like yeah and we lost and uh i was talking to the media and everything i went to, i wanted to catch kobe because i knew he was mad and uh but i couldn't find him and Phil just, I went to the locker room. Phil's like just pointing in the shower. So I go in the shower. Kobe's taking the shower. And, you know, there's, he's showering and everything. It's hot. There's steam coming off of him. Which one thing visualizing this is so weird. <laughs> but in I the played way enough high school basketball. It, I can visualize it. Yeah. And the way Ryan Tess tells it, it's even like more, more weird. He's like, and Kobe has this really mean look on his face. I just want to say, hey, Kobe, I'm, I'm proud of you. You fought really hard. <laughs> and, he says, man, what the F you doing? Or something to that extent. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, and then and then I watched uh, just a recap of the... So they lost to the Celtics in 2008. They beat the Orlando Magic in 2009 in the NBA Finals, which was really easy. Like, they beat them in five games. So it, it, yeah, it was the, a good win, the but Dwight it didn't feel... Uh, what's the coach's name? Amir Nelson uh, and Stan Van Gundy. Van Gundy. One of the Van yeah, Gundy brothers. That, that year, yep. Uh, yeah, that that win didn't feel good, but didn't feel as good. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't gratifying. Yeah, yeah. They played Celtics the next year. I mean, this is the one of the best finals I've I've watched. It's Game Seven, Lakers versus Celtics in the finals. Like that's basketball at its at its peak. That's one <laughs> right of those there. things that even non even like not super <laughs> basketball people, it's kind of an Americana sort of thing. You just you sort of yeah. need to get into it. Uh, but like Kobe didn't have a great game in that game seven. Uh, I mean, he still had like twenty something points. But his this one point where he comes off, he has the ball on top of the key, and he uh, he finds Ryan Artest for an open three, <laughs> and Ryan Artest shoots it. He makes it. That really took the Lakers up. I think six points in that game, and with like a minute and a half left, so the Lakers they, they had a pretty good lead at that point. <laughs> it's funny because at that point the score was like eighty to seventy four or something like that really low scoring game back in the when it was a fine scoring game for that time even 10 years ago um anyway lakers win the championship and ron says the interview afterwards it's like kobe passed me the ball and i could (laughs) (laughs) and i could hear i could hear phil jackson in my head because he's a zen master right he gets in your head he was like ron don't shoot the ball i was like shut up phil and i shot it and i made it (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I've been doing doing a lot of that. Anyway, that's that's uh, what uh, what I how it's been helping processing everything. But uh, no, it's, it's, uh, like I said, everything's better. I'm in a pretty pretty good good mood. Uh, I have to I have to preface by saying I'm not a Celtics I'm not a Celtics fan. For some reason, with basketball more than any other sport, I tend to follow coaches and players individually. And I think it's That's just because of the way. Thing. I don't know. <laughs> I th- I think it's just because of the way individual players uh, or coaches. I always feel like in basketball maybe yeah. have a bigger impact than the other sports, and I really like that about basketball. But 
I, I, I could be exaggerating. Long story short, I really like Paul Pierce, and I really like Doc Rivers, who, by the way, I didn't get really sad until I saw his like his reaction on ESPN to it, and that about broke my heart. Um, yeah. And so I do remember both of those finals extremely well, and just because of playing the Celtics, it's probably some of my favorite Kobe memories. I will say that I, when it comes to celebrity deaths, it's kind of like a three, there's like three points in my head of like, all right, first of all, just because people mourn celebrity deaths in a different way doesn't mean that anybody's like escalating them as more important than, than anybody exactly. else. Like, I feel like it gives off that perception sometimes, but nobody wants that to feel that way. And that's not what it means. Uh, but it's kind of, it's just interesting or really neat of, of the like shared emotions with so many people or to see how many lives that Kobe impacted. Um, almost more interesting. The fact that like, how many millions of lives did he impact that he didn't even know these people? Yeah. And that, I don't know, there's something really neat and interesting about that. And we all have uh, idols as children, as adults or whatever. And like I said, I think sometimes people take the celebrity death mourning the, the wrong way, but it's not, first of all, it's not the right time to be taking that stuff the wrong way. Anyway, you just look at it and sort of yeah. appreciate how it brings people together and, and find the good in it. And I, I think that's what, any, I think that's what any person wants when they pass is for something good to come out of it. So, uh, interesting week yeah. in that regard for sure. Yeah, I said this on Twitter, and and I'm going to fit it somewhere into my video essay that that it's a surreal feeling, feeling the same, pretty much the same emotion about the same person that millions of other people are feeling at the exact same time. Like I've never felt that before and in a way i feel more connected to humanity than ever before it's a very connecting moment uh it, i i think I, t I told you on gmail one of the weirdest ones for me was that i really liked sean taylor in the nfl he's my favorite player in the nfl during his his short time but it was weird because he was kind of also maybe a little bit of a pain in the rear and he like wasn't at <laughs> his peak yet like, other people yeah. didn't love Sean Taylor, and I remember being so frustrated. Like, I can't believe there's not more coverage on this. I can't believe there's not more people upset about this. He's Sean Taylor. And then, like, the farther away I get from it, I was like, it's because not a lot of people liked Sean Taylor. Like, he was just entering <laughs> that part of his career and was also had some troubled history and stuff. But anyway, it's a, it's a tough week, but it's really cool to see uh, the way that the sporting world has reacted to it. A lot of good things yeah, the coming out of that. The entire sporting world, like pretty much every facet, like soccer, because Kobe was big into soccer because he grew up in Italy. Italy, yeah. Like if, you, if he sits you down, like I've seen him in interviews talking about soccer and like talking about the game of it and how, like, oh, well, this player came in and did this and this. Um, and like, oh, he's, and then there was uh, a couple other sports football the pro bowl was not the pro yeah the pro bowl was happening at the same time that mm -hmm. his news broke and uh oh yeah and then tiger woods like you see his his reaction to it because his caddy like knew it this whole time he was playing at some open but his caddy didn't tell him until he was done um like like the whole sports world even beyond that has been uh, affected by it but on a on a brighter note which it is coming up super bowl sunday and uh, the home team is is in Super Bowl. I'm wearing my my one cheese. Actually, I have two cheese shirts. I yeah. also have two um, cheese shirts. This is one of them. Yeah. 
but, but you have a very nice that's a jersey sean that's it's an old <laughs> jersey though this jersey this is tony gonzalez so it is uh oh, that's it, nice. it's up there in age <laughs> this cheese shirt i got for free from donating blood oh nice so also yeah also uh yeah if you can if you're able to donate blood donate blood people so uh, there's plenty of blood shortages and you might get a free shirt out of it we bleed red i mean like literally but also in the chief's way yeah Yes. Again, it's it's a little bit of a it's strange to me because I am my first team is the red like they're the Redskins, but I like people always look at me like that makes me a bandwagon Chiefs fan. It's like no, I they they're in different conferences. The Chiefs are my second favorite team. I watch every Chiefs game every week. Like I don't I want to see a rule that's well, you like you can only have sworn loyalty I, to one team. Like, no, I kind of I kind of have. Ever since the Chiefs made Super Bowl, I kind of have this like imposter syndrome, where I'm like, I'm not a real Chiefs fan. Like I see them all celebrating. Like there was guns going off in my neighborhood and stuff, guns, fireworks, something. I don't know. I don't. Know <laughs> guns. Um, don't worry about where yeah, Chris this lives. It's crazy. This, this isn't where I grew up at, North Tulsa. But um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that. It's like I'm excited for it. But like, when I talk about the Chiefs, I don't say we. Right when I talk about the Lakers, even though they're what 500 miles away, I say, "Oh yeah, we're going to the ship this year. We got Anthony Davis, we got LeBron." <laughs> well, I talk about the Chiefs. I'm like, "Yeah, the Chiefs are good." Even though I have been going for the Chiefs like pretty much since I've started living in Kansas, which is like nine or ten years, um, and they are the only football. I've, I had no football team allegiance before that, so I am purely in the Chiefs camp. But I see how these. You know, true diehard. I want to say true because I am a true Chiefs, but these diehard, lifelong Chiefs fan react, and I'm really happy for them. But I'm just like, guys, we got, we got to win one more game. Super Bowl is not enough. <laughs> I feel, I feel like I've just been taking a little bit of rap because everybody will be like, Sean, don't you like the Eagles or the Cowboys or one of those? And I'll be like, shamefully, like the Redskins. But it's like, I still, I watch yeah. every Chiefs game. It's, it's, it's not a close second, but it's an, it's a very clear like. I don't know. I, I feel like I've taken a lot of heat in the past two weeks for sporting all the Chiefs gear or whatever. But <laughs> that's fine. I can have two teams. Y'all chill out. Yeah. No, I don't even have two teams. I have a clear favorite and a clear second favorite. But I do. Do you care to throw out a prediction? Uh, let's see. Chiefs going to win, of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Chiefs win 30... To 21 actually yeah. i weirdly like the chances of it turning into a little bit of a shootout so i was thinking something more in the range of like 38 33 <laughs> chiefs just a little bit more like I, I can see it turning into a game where uh the like the san francisco running game is just like gashing us and then patrick mahomes having to throw the ball 15 yards a pop all game long so <laughs> what did, I already forgot what I said though. Thirty-eight, thirty-three, something like that in that realm. All right, hold this, hold us to that audience. Hold us to that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. As for um, you know, everything else that's happening, I don't know if you're going to ask a question, segue into this, uh, but other gig stuff I've been <laughs> been watching. Uh, My Hero Academia wrapped. Well, it didn't wrap. It wrapped up a certain arc last night. I've been really loving My Hero Academia. Sean, you need to watch it and catch up on it. I'm it's trying really hard, really... but I, right now I have prioritized Static Shock until okay. Comic Con. I have just made it a difficult choice. That's all. Ah, okay, that's fine. Things we have two months to Comic Con. We have much longer time than I think. I have. 
I've been because my costumes are already ready. I haven't uh, spray painted yours. I tried. I told you about that wig that I had. Yeah, and it's not gonna work. I'm gonna have to blonde um, my hair because I think a wig will. Uh, I get like yeah. headaches really easy sometimes, and I, I can see something like wearing a wig all day give me headaches. So yeah. I'll find a way to uh, was, to blonde my hair. It was, it was a it was a it was a terrible wig anyway. Um, but anyway, my hair academia is really good. I just posted a video a couple of days ago uh, reviewing the overhaul arc on it. Because it is stunning, I think. I think it's on its way to being the greatest anime of all time. That's which pretty I currently praise. hold the greatest anime of all time to be um, Yu Yu Hakusho, which you should watch that as well. It's, I think My Hero is a little easier to digest, um, but Yu Yu Hakusho is really, really good. Like, imagine, I think of it as, like, Deadpool... Mm, no, no, Deb, that's not good sense. And I don't scratch that okay, because you're going to think different things. Anyway. The first thing I thought was meta, and I do love meta. So now that you're taking no, that away from me, I'm no, a little not hurt. meta at all. Deadpool Damn not, it. My, the reason I brought up Deadpool was that, like, oh, there's a jerk, right? Like, this kid is, like, a freaking game banger, pretty much. <laughs> and I wouldn't say game banger, but he's 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 a jerk. He's, he's a no, he has no prospects in life. He's he'll, He's headed to hell. <laughs> but he saves a kid from a car. He's literally headed to hell. Um, he jumped in front of a car to save a kid from dying. And then there were like the people who run heaven to hell. They're like, um, you weren't supposed to do that. We had you dying. And this time and this time, <laughs> we, had we didn't you expect down, you man. to do something selfless. Um, so anyway, he becomes a spirit detective. You know, that's a really good anime with some really great character growth. Is it on and a really great animation? Yes, it is okay. on Hulu. Good, good. Yeah, the dubs are on Hulu. The dubs are really good dubs. I so. I know I'm a loser, but I only do dubs because rarely do I just That's, sit and watch. I'm almost it's understandable. Always, yeah, I take dubs over subs any chance I get because I like to pay attention to the whole entire screen instead of just like catching glimpses of it and focusing on that I, <laughs> on the on the subtitles. And usually, but, like. I don't know. I mean, it's not that I'm not watching, but usually I'm kind of doing something else. Like I might be playing a video game on the Switch or kind of organizing something in the room or what. Like I almost have to have dubs, but uh, I will have to watch that one after (laughs) after Uh, these. Hey, at least uh, football season is over and football is my favorite sport. So it consumes not just NFL. I'll watch any football all the time. I'm even (laughs) sad that the AFL went under. That's really disappointing to me. So, uh, but football season's over, so I'll have some more time to finally catch up on this backlog of shows, which there are many. Yeah. Speaking, as I mentioned Heaven and Hell, another show that I absolutely love is The Good Place. It had its series finale yesterday. Really good finale. The whole show is just really strong. It is one of the best comedies I have seen. It is, without a doubt, the best story within a comedy. Um yeah, if I, was, if I was doing a review of it, which one of these days I may review it. Maybe not. I might not have time for it. Um, but it definitely has probably the best story within a comedy, but it's also still really funny. And it is an actual comedy, but there's just a lot of stuff about philosophy, a lot of character growth, things like that. You would love The Good Place, Sean. Like you, I think you and your wife would both really enjoy watching it. Most of the seasons are currently on Netflix. When this season, it'll probably be on Netflix as well whenever it's uh, done. I'm not. To, I'm not trying to derail the topic because I appreciate the recommendation. I'll put. I'll add it to the list. 
Um, but before I forget, and I, I mean to ask you this every week for like, or every week we do the podcast for like the past two months, I only have two seasons of community. So that is all I've watched this point. And I love community and I want to continue it, but it seems to be nowhere. It's on Hulu. Community is on Hulu. Yes. I've been rewatching some community lately and I've been rewatching a lot of scrubs. It's worth noting that I just got my own Hulu uh, for the crowd, for the audience, so I don't have to mooch off Chris's anymore. I just got it like two weeks ago, so <laughs> still getting things lined up. Um, I, oh, okay. I never. I, I want to ask you: Has he, has you or Heather been watching the show with that girl from SNL? Um, <laughs> because for some reason, it's on season two, episode one, on my thing. Like, I'm sure. What's the I name? I've been of watching it? the show, and this does not. Um, I don't know the name of it. I think the only thing but... I've ever watched on your Hulu was um, was like the first half of the first season of My Hero. But I do like SNL. <laughs> I don't know which girl or which show I mean, you're talking about. I mean, I wouldn't have cared. I was just curious. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why this is like that. No, I'm curious. Well, um, it could have been Heather the too. The show is called The show is called Shrill. I'm yeah, totally unfamiliar. You got nothing. Um, it's mm. possible that my wife was watching it out there on the shield before we talked, uh, before we signed up. That's a possibility. Yeah, that's fine. It doesn't sound yeah. like her kind of show, but I don't know anything about it. Um, all right. Well, I do. I also need to get back into community for the, those first two seasons that I've watched. Oh, I'm happy to say that those couple of seasons were genuinely two of my favorite seasons of television of anything. Like it's my kind of, of comedy and comedy is my favorite. Um, so I need to get back into community. I have never watched Scrubs religiously, and I probably never will because there's just too much of it. I do like it. I have nothing against it. I've just never sat down. But when I think of Scrubs, I actually... Do you remember the show Psych? Yes. I don't know why I equate those two, but it's like everybody else watched Scrubs, and instead of watching Scrubs, I watched Psych. They're totally not related in any way. I don't know why I think that way. But it's like a similar type of comedy a similar style, I guess. And someday I want to go watch Psych, but not anytime soon, because first I want to... Static Shock first. I'm only like halfway through one season of Static Shock and two seasons in a community, and I would consider those my two highest priorities at the moment. But I do need a show that I can watch with my wife, something we can watch together, and so maybe The Good Place can be the 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 sit-on-the-couch-together-for-dinner yeah. television show that we start. I can see that being a good one. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, I don't have any really new videos besides the one I mentioned about My Hero Academia. Uh, my week, I pretty much we we like covered because uh, I just like to interrupt you when you talk. So I already talked about all of it except for small development. Is that I I got the first two Avatar games on PlayStation Two, and at some point I would like to. Uh, I was kind of hoping to do a review of all three, but the third one is a little less common. It's not like expensive or anything because it's not good, but uh, spoiler alert, but it's just a little less common. But I kind of want to do a review of all three in a single video on the same platform. So it's like apples to apples. So at some point I would like to do a video review of the Avatar games. I have honestly spent maybe two minutes playing any of them ever. And it was like probably the very, well, it could have been the third one because I think it was on the Wii. But looking forward to that. And that's the only thing in my week that I had not already mentioned. I put a little bullet here for Avatar news, but I honestly don't remember 
I don't think that we had heard anything. I just wanted to make sure we had the opportunity to talk <laughs> about Avatar news if it came up. Um, there was no news, I don't believe. Uh, coming out Tuesday is the uh, Fire Nation, the Legacy of the Fire Nation book, which is written by Iroh to Zuko. It should be, so far from just the small snippets of it I've seen, is one of the best, like, um, uh, just like side books of there that there is. Like, it looks better than uh, the the uh, the one that previously came out called uh, After Our Last Airbender, just Legacy. Yeah, because I have it. That was there. the Tenzin. So, yeah. That was the Tenzin letter. Yeah, it was written by Aang to Tenzin. This one is written by Iroh to Zuko. I can't wait to get it. I already have it. It should be in the mail Tuesday. So I may, maybe I'll do a little review of it. I'm not sure. No promises. Be good. I, I would watch it. And then I, I just want to remind you in case you forgot, you sent me like two very random notes over Google Hangouts earlier. I just want to make sure that this is, I'm not supposed to like bring those up now or something to remind nah, you. Nah, they're, they're for the episode. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. I didn't know. If, I was like, these are the weirdest news tidbits you have ever sent. Okay. Uh, well, with that being said, I don't really have anything else to uh, to talk about preview wise. So let's go ahead and jump into the episode. I think, which is oh wait no we can't we can't jump in the episode. We have this great activity lined up. I actually can't believe I forgot. I've been thinking about this a lot. Chris, I wanted to know if you were in this episode and you had to make your own sword that was an extension of yourself. What would what would that sword be? What would it look like? What would it be made of? And I have to preface this by saying that high fantasy and swords and magic and dragons is like 99% of my childhood. So I have given this a lot of thought at various points in my life. And and I have not. So that's interesting. Um, it just means you spent your time in better ways than I spent mine. <laughs> but you, you play Legend um, of Zelda. You so, have sword yeah, aspirations. So my, my favorite sword is is the the master sword um one thing I, I mean i just love link but it was probably the the most redeeming quality of um of a skyward sword <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> longest like, legend of know, zelda game ever yeah mm-hmm. um, it's just you know her uh him building up the sword and i forgot the like the soul that's like in the sword but that was all really cool but i really really like the handle on the master sword um, when it comes to the blade itself i want to get i'm gonna i'm gonna pull some pull from um you know different different john not different john different properties here there is hephaestus who uh who is the greek god of creating stuff i think i don't know what he is anyway hephaestus hephaestus i yeah, i, I can that. like picture it in my mind but i don't know how to say it he was married to uh, the really hot goddess. I forgot her name. Persephone. No, not Persephone. Aphrodite. 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 The hot married one. Yeah, she's the god of being hot. Yeah. Don't you know that? <laughs> it pretty much is the god of being <laughs> the goddess of being hot. Uh, Hephaestus was the god of fire, metalworking, stonemasonry, forging, yeah. art of sculpture. Yes. And was married so, to Aphrodite. Okay, got it. Yes. So in DC Comics, Wonder Woman has a sword. It was forged by Hephaestus, and it can cut through particles so pretty much like if you break it down on a scientific scale it's pretty much like the most indestructible thing in the world um but that that might be too op nah Um, that's 
If you want your extension of yourself to be OP, that's excellent. <laughs> it is interesting to extension yourself. I was watching this episode, this episode we're talking about today with commentary on it, and uh, Master Pian Dao, who was the um, the uh, why can't I think of the stupid word? <laughs> the martial arts council, not council, consultant, martial arts consultant on the show. Who who he came up with the four. Uh, actual bending techniques and the fight, the real life fighting styles that should correlate with them. He didn't create them. He sort of translated them <laughs> yeah. into the show, kind of. Yes, he came up with integrating them into the show. And he was talking about how, like, you know, like sword work, like people don't fight with swords anymore. Um, you know, they're people just use it to have a chi and stuff and have their chi flow out of them and extend into the sword. Like, he made it seem like it's a really, really interesting concept, I'm sure surprised that avatar don't use like how like in real life they you know they, what they think of like their chi goes into the sword like that's that's an interesting concept that's that a perfect segue chi... for mine i'm so excited that you said this <laughs> um yeah that your chi can go into your sword but uh i'm surprised i really don't have like some sword that i just i just really love honestly the blade that I always really want, which is not a sword at all, so I'm just gonna diverge here, That's is fair. Wolverine's claws. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that could be. Just, That's a I literal love... extension right there. That's beautiful. Yeah, I just love Wolverine's claws. Like, even though they make no sense when it comes to his body anatomy, like, if where did the claws come from? Can he like, not twist his they... wrists when they're inside of there? How does that work? Yeah, and even if, like, say. The only way that would work is that if they're in his forearms, right? So that way he can still bend his thing. But they would stick out from his skin. <laughs> um, some, some would have to be messed up. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, maybe they grow. Well, if they grow, that means metal. He's just forming metal out of anywhere. And we know that that's not how he got. He wasn't born with metal claws. His metal claws were the metal was um, put on to his bones. And, and so it makes no sense, but I still love his claws. And Days of Future Past, and I, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, that I'm not invested in the comics, so I'm sure I'm overlooking certain kind of lore here. But it's not like the bones before the adamantium make any more sense. Like, it's, <laughs> no, they it's don't. not like it's any better <laughs> when it wasn't adamantium either. But it's fine. I'm happy to, I'm happy yeah. to overlook hey, it. There, it's one of those comic book things. It's like let's just go with it. I don't care. It's cool. Comic books are supposed to be cool. Yeah, it. it's it's totally fine. But so if I had to actually form a sword, I guess it would be the hilt. That's what it's called, right? The hilt of the of the master sword, because I absolutely love that, and the blade of Wonder Woman's sword. I don't know. I think I don't know if it is for sure, but when I think of hilt, I kind of think of like everything from the blade down, like the handle, the part that protects your hand from the blade, everything. Like yeah, but I don't know if that's actually that. Yeah. Um, oh, but now I'm looking. Now I'm looking at a statue of the White Ranger. And that sword. Oh, oh man. Uh, oh, a cool bar sword. That cool bar sword is cool from Yu Yu Hawk Show as well. But yeah, that white Power Ranger tiger sword. Can I just put a, I'm going to put a tiger at the end of the Master Sword or at the bottom of I don't, it. I don't and know why talk you wouldn't. Me, give me advice. I don't know why you wouldn't. You know, it's funny is because when I tell Heather, it's like, uh, you know, she'll be like, hey, we have any plans Friday? And I'll be like, it's podcast night. And then all I think is that sick Power Rangers riff from the opening credits. Oh, <laughs> it's got to be one of the greatest opening theme songs of my entire life. 
but interesting enough, the same person who did that did the opening theme song for X Men. So that yeah, guy, I can kind of hear that. Guy. Let's get that guy to be a friend of the show. That stuff is awesome. Yeah, I he's friends with he's friends with bigger shows. I think possibly there's, there's a there's possibly. a YouTube channel I follow called Nerd Sync who does really great content. Um, but he had him on the show to go over like the X Men theme song because the X Men theme song like it's. It's, it's so great and he wanted to like it go over is. like why it was like the history of it um but anyway you ever you ever try nerdificent the podcast nerdificent i have not no if you if you ever run out of content give that one a try it's it's pretty much up our alleys uh so i i've given this so much time i'm so excited so i'm a i'm kind of a simple plain guy so aesthetically i want the blade of my sword just to be like steel, like just unassuming, affordable, uh, appropriate, reliable, like just, just like made this, in America, steel. made in America steel. But <laughs> I just, I want the blade itself to be kind of unassuming. And even the hilt, um, I want it to kind of look like the sword of Gryffindor. Cause I really like uh, Harry Potter and that's the only sword opportunity in Harry Potter. And then I also <laughs> have a fascination with silver. So like, I don't have a lot of jewelry and stuff. But everything that I have is silver. So it's like, all right, what if I took all the sterling silver I have and I melt it into the hilt, make it look like Godric Gryffindor's sword? I never thought about the lion head on the bottom. That's kind of cool. I'll have to think about that. But then the biggest thing that I would want from my sword is that in all of my favorite video games, uh, and then you even mentioned the chi being part of the sword, all of my favorite games that I love the most, whether it's like Diablo or Castlevania, their their mm-hmm. weapons are like always imbibed with some enchantment or the souls of things that they kill or something like that. That's what I'd want to make my sword special is is somehow to like uh channel whether it's like channeling my active feelings at that time or if I could actively sort of change its its innermost traits or characteristics with thoughts or feelings. Um mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that's like all everything in my favorite I didn't even think about it. even the sword of Gryffindor, like it it takes on Anything it kills or the powers of things that it kills. I kind of forget the lore. Don't get mad at me, Harry Potter fans. I forget how it works. But even it kind of takes on properties of other things in a magical way. So that's actually really my only requirement that makes it special. Like, it'd just be a boring sword. I don't care. Whatever. As long as I can lift it, I'm not very strong. So it probably needs to be something a little smaller. Uh, it needs to be, like, needle sticking with the pointy end. But it has to have, like, magical imbibing powers of some type or other that I can help channel or change. And that is my, that is my extension. Ooh, speaking of the Game of Thrones, I'm 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 a, I'm a change my, I don't want the tiger head. I want him to talk and be uh, sentient. And if I wanted to be the wolf head from Jon Snow's sword. Oh, yeah, that is a great, that's one of the great pieces of, uh, what would, I guess you would call that the great co- pieces of costume work of that show. I think that yeah. sword mm-hmm. right there. I totally forgot about the Power Rangers sword. Well, thank you for indulging me in this fantastic <laughs> activity that gave me an excuse to think about all of my favorite swords. Um, I'll happily indulge in that anytime. Right, well, let us know if you had to make your own sword, but send us pictures. I'm not a good artist, so I'm not about to draw a picture. <laughs> With that, I think we have chit-chatted plenty. Let's get into <laughs> chit-chatted, yeah, like 40 minutes already. That's, that's all right, because the episode is... I. Uh, regardless of your thoughts on the episode, it's not like it's going to take all that long. It's not incredibly deep or anything like that. So it's no, fine. Not. And the episode is Sokka's Master. Man, I did it again. I forgot to change all the numbers. It's episode four. You can ignore that number up there. 
Jeez, need to get a new producer. I need. That's probably well, well overdue. Uh, so the the the, the team Avatar opening up. They're having a really nice chill time, just looking up at the sky. There's a meteor shower. Toph is like, you know, you've seen nothing once. You've seen it a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, I love the. I love the blind humor in here. Really good stuff. Yeah, but it's not offensive. Like, and this episode, this episode is is full of good humor. Not necessarily blind yeah. humor, but it's full of good humor. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, for some reason, I just noticed these meter showers are using blue fire, which makes me think, like, what? What is the composition of the Earth on on the planet? Like. Like you know, when a when a meteor comes down to our Earth, like it's just it's just red fire. But all of these were were blue. Like does just does fire just burn hotter on on this Earth? I don't know. Just... <laughs> it's a weird atmosphere where it gotta come through hot. I yeah. have no idea. I've never is a falling star. Is that just a meteor or is that something else entirely? Uh, I can't tell. You. I don't I know if a, I've ever seen a meteor. I think there... a comet. I think a comet doesn't come. A comet. A meteor comes down to Earth. A comet just keeps going. Because uh, a meteor, right, you can get a meteor right, you know. And then make a sword um, out of it. Yeah. Uh, every time it's on the news, and it'll be like, meteor shower tonight, step outside at, like, midnight. I'm like, I'm not going outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not staying awake to go outside. That's outrageous. Um, yeah, you uh, keep talking for a minute. I got to go talk to you. Upstairs. Hey, but, well, if you don't uh, mind, I'll just I'll walk through some of what happens in the episode in in highlight yes. format. So yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, I can handle that. So they're sitting around and uh, watching this meteor shower, and you get the blind humor. But the the crux of the entire first portion of this episode is that Sokka feels very useless. He he is a little upset. Kind of wishes he had more to contribute, and. He even specifically mentions at one point that everybody has master has had uh, training from a master in bending. Katara had has received training from a master in water bending. Aang is getting all this attention for all kinds of bending. And so the crux of this early part of the episode is really just Sokka moping about not having any uh, sort of refined abilities. And then they're trying to cheer him up. And so then it goes from that to essentially shopping i i think they say that explicitly like i know i know what's going to cheer you up we're going to go shopping and so they start going weapons shopping <clears throat> and that's what furthers the the plot development of this story more towards sword fighting is that they're shopping around for weapons and Sokka's still lamenting lack of a honed skill that's probably yeah, the first is... five or six minutes of the episode yeah. and this is to me, the weakest part of the episode, right? When they when they take out the flames from from the meteor shower, and Sokka just sitting there, and afterwards Sokka feels useless. But Sokka has proven himself not to be useless. Like this would have been maybe a good like couple episodes right after Toph gets introduced, because right, cause then Toph, uh, then Sokka is kind of like even lower on the totem pole. Um, but he's proven himself to be very useful, like all the time. And so for him to have this doubt is uh it's not out of character, but it seems like he would have moved past this. I think it's yeah, I'm okay that it's like a recurring a recurring thing. Yeah, envy is is a natural human thing, so but I do get what you're saying is like, all right, you've already proven yourself, you shouldn't have to feel bad at this point. 
yeah. it's a, it's a slow start to the episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, on the, uh, we'll we'll get to the B plus stuff later on. I figured um, we would just separate them because they're not interconnected even in the slightest. So yeah. I figured we'd just touch on it at the end. All right. Uh, so he comes across the sword, as you may have mentioned, and the guy tells him like, "Oh yeah, uh, Master Pandal." Um, yeah, he's a sword teacher, and that's what Sokka knows. He knows he needs uh, a master. Cause that's what Katara has. That's what Aang had. Uh, Toph. I don't think she mentions this here, but anyway, he's like, "Oh, I need <laughs> a master. Rich, That'd be really good." Yeah, Toph learned from the original masters, but I don't think she brought has brought that up yet. To you know, them. I think they actually said say something about the uh, badger moles or learning oh, from okay. the badger moles or something. I. Am I making that up in my head? I might no, be making that up. They do at some point, but I think that's in um, in the Firebending Masters episode. You're probably right. That. Yeah. But, uh, but okay, so Master P and Dao, I really like this moment where um, Sokka introduces himself to Master P and Dao. And Master P and Dao, you can tell that he's come across, you know, dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of students who wants to teach, who wants to learn under him, but he didn't deem them worthy. And he says to him, he says to Saka, like, oh, let me guess, you're the best in your tribe, and blah, 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 essentially. And Saka's like, yes, I am the best in my tribe, but also I am, pretty much he says that he's he's nothing, and he's worthless, and and... Master Pandal says, essentially, well, let's see what your worth is together. And he agrees to he agrees to train Sokka. In a, in a fairly um, uh, montage This whole episode is fairly montage It does. Like, it's a lot of little snippets. Not like 80s montage with motivational no, music no, playing in the background, no. but lots of snippets. Yeah, it's interesting because watching the commentary, Bryke was saying, like, yeah, we don't really like to do montages because they they sometimes don't work. But in this case, we felt like we yeah we had to do. It. We felt like we did a pretty pretty good job. <laughs> I certainly think so. Yeah, no, yeah, there's some, yeah, I, they did it in a good way. I mean, sure, Sokka isn't by the end of it, which is realistic. He's not like some really great swordsman, but he's on his way there. He has some pretty good, I think, um, necessary things. He's like learned some key foundational pieces that might allow him to progress further on his own. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, there's not much to dive into on the, on the actual training aspect of it. I don't, I don't think. Not specifically. It kind of goes a little bit of like karate kid or sorry, karate kid uh, in like having him do things that seem a little unrelated at first. Like he's, supposed to recognize the landscape and draw the landscape and i really like that scene where he's got the stupid picture um, <laughs> so i should call yeah. it stupid he has this very poorly drawn picture um but as you mentioned throughout the montage there's nothing sort of specific to call out other than it kind of just expresses the idea of like Sokka being Sokka and maybe not yeah, quite I... fitting the expectations or what we think yeah. the master's expectation i can't say his name pandao uh, what Pian we think Dao? his expectations Pian are going to be. Pandao? Okay. Yeah. Got uh, it. Also, to, to note, we so they had Sifu Kisu on this episode because this is Sifu Kisu. Like, he didn't voice it, but he is the character inspiration for it. And they've been trying to figure out 
you know, so they started the show like, all right, what character should we use for Sifu Kisu? And they finally figured out exactly who it should be, which I fan casted him to be the Netflix show. I think they should do it. I'm pretty sure they could do it. I mean, he doesn't re- have that many lines and stuff. <laughs> uh, it'll, be, it'll be really cool to have Sifu Kisu uh, on there. But some of the things I really enjoyed with the training is that the, the way he was training Sokka and things he said seemed so applicable actually to fighting like when he says like he has a blindfold in Sokka and he turns him around he sees this vast landscape and he says and he turns him around really quick and is like draw that it's like as a swordsman you must be able to um, look at a battlefield gauge everything that's happening and make decisions from there in a split second all right that's really cool mm. um and then we talked about like the paintbrush right <laughs> with, with the calligraphy <laughs> thing he says, like, you, every swing of the paintbrush, there's no undoing it, just like there's no undoing the swing of a sword. Like, everything has to be deliberate. Um, even though Saka took that and did something completely different. <laughs> um, but still. Uh, but I just really love those lessons. Like, they're really cool. The metaphors are really, really good. They seem to apply really well to me as I was thinking about it. And it could be just because I was in, like, a Patrick Mahomes mood. But it's like, those are, like, great quarterback lessons. Like, all right. You got like 10 seconds yeah. under center to survey this landscape, figure out what you're going to do. And you yeah. can't undo a stroke of the sword. Like all those things, like he's talking about quarterbacks. And then I'm like, after I turn the episode off later, I'm just, Sean, you're being stupid, but it's still pretty cool. Sifu uh, yeah. Kisi's probably a big secret football fan. We don't even know. American football. Um, yeah. uh, what else is there? Okay, so they... He says, like, landscaping also happens. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, making, making like, the room comfortable for him. And that, I think, Sokka actually did a really good job on. It reminds me of, uh, I recently watched a clip from Men in Black 1, which is a really good movie. Um, so Will Smith is in the training thing, right? <laughs> and uh, that's probably one of the funniest things. And it actually is a similar test. It's a very similar test. So Will Smith, he's a cop, right? He's an LAPD, something like that. And he's training to go to the MIB, but he doesn't even know what MIB really is. I forget exactly why he even got involved in it. But he's also there with, like, these five other, like, five-star general type of Army, Navy SEALs type of people. And he's just, like, in street clothes. And they're all about to take this this paper test, but they're in, like, this dome egg-shaped thing, and it's really uncomfortable, and they don't have, like, a desk to put the paper on. So all of them are just, like just poking at the paper. They can't comfortably take the test. But there's a big, huge metal table in the middle there. And, and Will Smith's character just, like, gets it and, like, shoves, brings, pulls it towards his chair. And it's making all this noise, and it's just distracting everybody. Um, and he even offers up to the other guys, like, hey, do you want to get in on this, get on this table? And the other guy, like, refuses. But it proves that you know, to be an agent of Men in Black, like, you had to be able to um, to make a scene, right? You can't just be... Uh, one thing you know, you can make a scene because you're going to erase your memories of everybody anyway. Um, but you have to assess the situation and think outside the box. Um, and then the more funny part is when they go through, like, the obstacle course and they're shooting, <laughs> they're shooting targets and all the other, like, five people shoot like an alien alien an alien alien and will smith is sitting there he's just like 
He doesn't shoot anything until it just <laughs> and then the guy stops the test. He's like, what did you do? He's like, sir, I hesitated, sir. He's like, and what did you do to that little girl? I shot her right in the head. <laughs> Why? Well, well, sir, uh, there's a little girl here. She's probably like seven years old. She got like physics books and stuff like that. She's in the middle of the ghetto. Like she is clearly dangerous. Like, I, <laughs> like I was not shoot this. <laughs> Like, like, let's not shoot this guy uh, who's on this on this bar here. But I realize he's just doing pull-ups, right? What if I what if I'm in the weight room and I'm working out? Somebody come cap one to me. Like, I'm not gonna like that. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's weirdly enough. I just watched that scene like two days ago, and it's really similar to, to this stuff. I now it's, I'm kind of embarrassed. I haven't seen that movie in like 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First Man in Black is pretty good. I don't even know that I've seen the the most recent one. Oh, I haven't either. At That's, all. Yeah. What was that, past couple of years? Oh, no. One recently came out with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely haven't seen that. Oh, Man in Black International. I didn't see the one before that, and I'm pretty sure I didn't see the one before. No, I've seen the second one. I think there's only four of them. I think there's only anyway. four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have ought to go back and watch that. I haven't watched it in a really long time. Uh, but yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> love, <laughs> love diverting conversations here. Uh, so Master P and Dow's like, all right, you now you can now use a sword. <clears throat> and Sokka, like, oh, you gonna give me your sword? Like, no, you'll make your own. And like Sokka goes to the sword hardware store place or whatever it is, or just Master P and Dow's warehouse or whatever. Anyway. He finds material that he doesn't really like. He's like, can I bring my own material? He's like, yeah. And uh, and so he grabs the meteorite. Well, he doesn't grab it. It's really heavy. Toph and Aang earthbends it to to the place. I love the commentary because on the commentary, Brian Mike is like, (laughs) Master P and Dow is being pretty patient. And like, how do these kids not know that people are going to think they're earthbenders? Like, they just... There's a huge freaking it's a boulder. evidence. Yeah, there's a boulder, and there's just a whole like a trail <laughs> of it this whole time. Like, of course you guys are earthbenders. Um, and he gives a certain look that is really subtle that you can tell. It's just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and he just goes along. With he's it. not stupid. He's got it. It's <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Nsaka makes a sword. Does it all by himself. Which I really love, like that was really hands-on. Like he has to be patient. Like I don't know everything that goes in the sword building. Uh, interesting enough, I forget their name. Man at Arms. Man at Arms is famous for like building their YouTube channel. Um, famous for building swords from genre stuff. And they actually build a soccer sword. I think they might have actually used a meteorite. It didn't come out black. It came out silver. I wish. I mean, if I was them, I would have painted it. But they wanted to be realistic. <laughs> but, but they wanted really, to be realistic. Really good I wanted at, to be right. Yeah, <laughs> but they're really good at just like completely making it look like that sword. Usually, they did the master sword also, which looked really good. I don't remember what it's called, but I watched like one of those sort of. I'm just gonna call it like a mediocre Netflix series, like one of those that they throw on there just because. It's essentially these guys that were making stuff for super fans of various TV shows and video games and things. 
and they did a couple of really awesome swords on there as well, but nothing as good as the swords that we described earlier. Um, I thought it was nice that they showed, like, you get a lot of goofy Sokka here, but you also get a lot of, like, uh, like clearly endearing and good good Sokka to you. know, it's not like just Sokka being an idiot for 20 minutes. Like, no, you get very patient, diligent Sokka making his own sword here. Um, that's probably the greatest show there is doing something he's never done before at such a high degree. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Sokka makes the sword and everything. Um, and then when Master Fandal gives him swords, he pretty much says really great things about him. Like, you are, you know, you have all the traits of the swordsman, honorable, truthful, stuff like that. And Saga says, he, he opens up and says, like, no, I'm not um, whatever his name was. I'm actually Saga from the Water Tribe. And what they have this fight. His name was you, you or Wu or something. I forget. It's very, very boring. Yeah, it is. Um, anyway, they have this fight. And so I've bringing up before. <laughs> so, um, so in the commentary, Master uh, Sifu Kisu says, like, most sword fights aren't that long or not that interesting. They last less than two seconds. I think he's, his little words were 1.7 seconds. <laughs> because, like, they're just that, I don't know, I guess they're that quick. Or, like, swords are, like, when you, when you watch any show, any movie, and they're fighting, like, it's choreographed for a reason. Because in order for, like, just thinking about how many times your sword has hit another person's sword. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever swung a, a bat at, at a softball on a predictable trajectory. I do it every summer a thousand times, and I still suck at it. So the idea that somebody can take a much thinner, sharper object and swing it and hit somebody else's intentionally unpredictable thin, sharp object. Uh, yeah. Not not my favorite facet of, of sword play in movies is the idea that it could ever be two people so talented. I don't yeah. think that's very realistic, but... Uh, so also, so we know, uh, I've mentioned before, that in order, they send off, like, references to overseas. Like, they'll, sh- they'll film themselves doing, like, the moves that they want the characters to do, especially in fight choreography. And usually, Sifu Kisu and Brian Kanetsko kind of go through them. They're in the Nickelodeon gym, like, doing this sword fight that Sokka and uh, Master Pandau are doing, and like they're just like sweating, <laughs> like they're like this is the this was the hardest thing we've ever done, <laughs> and I don't I don't know the whole backstory behind this because it's interesting to me. But Nickelodeon has a gym, and apparently Serena Williams just walks in, she's like, "Wow, you guys, this is a really great way to stay in shape," and, <laughs> and Brian is just like, "He's like," and I was just huffing and puffing, and I was out of breath. And it was like the one world's like greatest athletes told us like we're we're in shape and we're definitely not in, in shape. You're about dying <laughs> or, with your toy stick. Yeah. Or at least he was yeah, he was saying like there were foam sticks that they were doing it with and stuff, but they were still like hurting and and everything. I hope that made uh, I hope that made Serena's day though, like hey, how how was your day? Oh, you know, just saw two guys in the Nickelodeon gym hitting each other with pieces of foam. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if she got into LARPing. Like, but she probably would have gone in... <sighs> Just like, whipping as, people's as a... heads off with stuff. Oh, that'd oh, be awesome. Oh, gosh. You know how great she would be at LARPing? Yeah. You try to throw like, something at her? Uh-uh. Hmm. Yeah. 
She's going to send your, your uh, own stuff right back at you. That's for sure. The thing is, uh, like, she would probably go in secret. Like, she's probably like, one of those secret characters who's, like, all dressed up and like, hooded, like, oh, the, the, uh, I don't know what her name She would She would have to be very well disguised. Like, she, yeah. both William's sisters are, are very distinctive, and they would have to be yeah. extremely well disguised. But like, but, like, in her LARPing circle, she would become, like, this legend. Like, the hooded She only mistress. shows up at one LARPing event <laughs> per year. Like, I'm imagining, I've never LARPed. I would love to. I'm imagining, like, the tides in a battle, like, like a battle almost being won, and one side is just, like, really down, so there are few people, and then out of nowhere, just just this figure standing on top of a hillside, and someone looks up, it's the hooded mistress, and she just comes in, just, just taking out everybody. No, that's the thing is that it's like for her, it's like one swipe per person, right? And even if you block it, it doesn't matter. It just knocks you back, just like <laughs> blows you off the screen. I would, I would LARP, but uh, so I do have one friend at work that does do it, and he actually has to travel a long ways to get to any of these bigger events. Um, but that the issue for me would be that they spend so much more time preparing and probably in a way that honestly you would enjoy in terms of like crafting your outfit uh, and stuff I probably would really enjoy I would want also. to I would want to go enjoy it as a as a lighthearted like athletic event and with some strategy and fantastic elements mm. uh, but he says he spends the most of his time crafting his outfit and that type <laughs> of thing and getting to and from where he needs to go so I was like uh, that part's not as interesting to me but that's fine. Yeah, that part that part seems really the, interesting. The legend of Serena. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The hooded uh, mistress. I like that's a good she, one. She is she is um uh, a voice actress on the show. She's voiced two different characters on the show. I did not she know was, that. Yep. She is in an episode um she's actually a a, a prison guard for Iro. She appears in The Day of Black Sun. She's like the only prison guard who's nice to Iroh. The one that kind of uh, sort of hits on him just a little bit. She didn't hit yeah. on him. A little funny. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, and then in Legend of Korra, she plays a fire sage when Korra uh, loses her memory and in the beginnings part one. Which is ironic, because she must have not been paying attention to the script or something in that episode, which she might have didn't even get the script because it's just a few lines she has to read. Um, but she was like, re- she was going through watching. She watched Avatar. She's a huge fan of it. And I think she, like a couple of years ago, she uh, was finally watching Legend of Korra. And <laughs> she sent out like a Twitter message like, hey, Avatar fans, can you guys explain to me how the original benders are the original benders and the difference between the lion turtles and stuff like that? Which, uh, which is just really cool on so many levels. All right. <laughs> Just the notion of Serena Williams reaching out to the public about Avatar. Like, you could stop it right there, and that would still be extremely yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where the heck were we? Um, uh, oh, anyway. So they, they had the fight choreographed in the Nickelodeon gym, and it is a really good-looking fight that does a nice yeah. job of highlighting the... Uh, quote-unquote warrior that Sokka is, or the type of warrior he is, I think. It's like it tells a story within the fight, I think, about yes. who, about yeah. who Sokka is. Yeah, I really love that scene. He he goes through um, like bamboo bamboo stalks and stuff, and like just that, and like how they all fall. 
But Master Pandal is quick enough that he just cuts them all up too. Yeah, just really great fight. Yeah, it's very well done. And you always get the idea, like, I don't know that you ever really sense that Sokka's in danger, like maybe we're supposed to. I don't know if you ever quite get that vibe. Like, you you get the toying with him vibe. Uh, But it is still a nice reveal, kind of at the end, or like a comforting reveal. Like, it was just a, you know, a test, and he knew the whole time and all that stuff. Yeah, I got, I didn't get the feeling he knew the whole time at that point, but I got the feeling that he was fine with whatever Sokka was and he was going to continue to train him because he is training him here. Like he is coaching him as this fight is the going time, on. Yeah. And really this fight is a, is a test as well. So it's, it's translated really well. And then, you know, it, just, just so as not to linger on it too long. Um, at the, at the end of this fight and essentially Sokka has earned his respect and, and admiration. Um, and, he, I just wanted to call out that he does give him the white lotus tile, which, yes, at this point we do have a little better understanding of what that means, and that yeah, we've met. Keep going, sorry. No, it's it's not. I mean, it's not a twist or anything, but it just make it just gets you more intrigued in what this uh, what this secret society is. That this cool, that this really awesome character, uh, even if it's just a side character, this very awesome, interesting character it has a way of like piquing your interest a little more into what the white Lotus actually is. Yeah. And, um, and he, his like on the floor there, there's actually a white Lotus on, on like the training ground. And then even his insignia, when it goes into it, it's a white Lotus, but there's also a fire nation symbol right in the middle there. So just really clear out there signs that this guy is uh, part of the white Lotus. Uh, our signs, the... our signs that we're part of the White Lotus, like our Instagram and Twitter uh, profile pictures. We yeah. are, we are White Lotus unofficial members. We're like the White Lotus fan club. <laughs> I like that logo. I forgot we need to put it on the. So I'm just missing it. Anyway, um, I was like, oh, in commentary they also mentioned that Master Pandal was like a general in the army. So that's interesting, um, as well, just like Iro was. Um, yeah. Speaking of Iroh. Nice transition. Yeah. And with the oh. Serena Williams, too, that's a nice transition. Um, he is currently in prison. And this was one of my favorite parts of the episode. All right. Uh, he looks so disheveled, like almost crazy as if his, as if his mind has gone somewhere. But we, we know, like last time we saw Iroh, he wasn't going crazy. But this is all just a, a show for this warden guy not warden guy just prison guard guy and like when Iroh gets food like he like shovels to it and he like eats it and he seems like just like he's all he's not all there he's playing it um, up yeah he's doing great yeah and I think the first thing he does afterwards like he just he lifts up his hair and just smiles and then does he just eat the apple at that point yeah I think in that one he just eats yeah, the apple he totally stops eating everything else yeah yeah and then the next time, he like gives him. He just visits him, whatever. Oh, the next time he's doing push-ups, like clapping push-ups. <laughs> yeah, I can I can do maybe like five. Um, I'm at like two tops. <laughs> um, and but then when he comes, when the warden comes in, because he hears his clapping, he's just Iroh going like, <laughs> like this is so like mess with your mind type of stuff. And then, um, and then the warden says, I don't want to call him the warden. Um, but 
this guy really gives some interesting interesting perspective on Iroh. He's like, you used to be the pride of the Fire Nation, the great dragon of the West. Now look at you. Like, that's just an interesting comment in and of itself. Like, man, people used to look up to Iroh. Like, Iroh was that guy who was leading the charge against all the other four nations. He was going to be the Fire Lord. Yeah. You know, he's in, now he's in prison, um, which is just really interesting. Even in the commentary, they're like, yeah, you know, Iroh used to be this this really hardened kind of kind of general, like one of the one of the best. Like he's one of the greatest tacticians there was. He was one of the greatest forces there was. And he's like, and now this is him getting back to that. <laughs> like him actually training and getting back to being that uh, that the way he was. Which I'm really curious, which will never happen, like who would win in a fight between Iroh and Ozai? I mean, I would take I would take Iroh, probably, but Ozai, he's no slouch. Like, Ozai had to, just because Ozai wasn't, like, in the war, he still trained on all these different things. Um, he still had, he still, you know, went through Agni Kai's and stuff like that. I mean, you know, if know. It, if we're talking, like, peak Iroh versus, versus peak Ozai, uh, you know, it makes me want to go peak Iroh, but at, like, certain given points in the series, you'd be like, all right, I don't think Iroh is really in shape for this right now. Yeah, but like, even if Iroh got to the peak that he could get to, right, even if Iroh sculpted his body to the best he could do right now, he's still, like, 60 years old. And and though bending is a physical and a spiritual aspect of it, um, Ozai still top his freaking game, like, 40 years old. Um, I think narrative-wise, it would make more sense that Ozai would win that fight. Um, because, to me, Ozai is supposed to be that, he's that upper you know epsilon thing that ang has to surpass nothing should be able to to, to thwart him because that just makes ang storage just, I don't know, less meaningful i guess so what you're saying is you want to see ang versus iroh that's what i'm here no i i agree <laughs> i agree entirely i would say there would probably be some element of you know when we have our ang versus Korra discussions it's like there's probably iroh would probably find ways to make it a stalemate sort of in, intentionally like that would be sort of Iroh's victory he would not be defeating Ozai but sort of stalemating him yeah um, I do I do think Ozai would come out a certain number of times and win outright I do think because given a certain situation Iroh if Iroh would have faced hmm yeah if Iroh would have faced um Ozai before Ozai knew about lightning redirection, then Iroh would win because that's the element of surprise. Like Zuko could have killed Iroh. Uh, Zuko could have killed Ozai when he uh, stood up against him in the Day of Black Sun, but he knew his own destiny. That's Avatar's destiny, so he didn't do it. But he could have easily just boom, pointed right back at you. And that and Aang could have done it too, but I don't think Ozai knew that Aang knew lightning redirection. Although he sh- she kind of should have known. Though. He should suspect you know it at least. Like, he should have. He should have. Yeah. Gotta I mean, be aware of that stuff. Zuko, Zuko told him, "Hey, I'm going to go train the Avatar." Oh, well, maybe Zuko would train him how to redirect light. <laughs> uh, so that makes me more so fall in the camp of Iroh that even if Ozai would suspect lightning redirection, Ozai uh, Iroh would still be able to redirect it at him 
and get him back. And also, Ira would be able to shoot lightning of his own at him. I don't know. It'll be a really cool fight. Until I see Ozai spit a dragon out of his mouth, you know, it's no, I think your explanation <laughs> is probably very appropriate. It would be almost demeaning to Aang's arc uh, to think that Iroh would yeah. be outright better. But, yeah, situationally, or I'm going to stand by, like I said, I think Iroh would intentionally find ways to stalemate more than defeat. And that would sort of be a victory in his own mind. Iroh would figure out energy bending. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, if anybody was going to do it, you know, whatever, I could see that. Oh, man. We're talking a lot about this one episode. Anyway. Um, it's a good episode, that's... in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it ends with... Um, oh, which I love this scene so much. Um, after the the guy leaves, like Iroh just undresses, and this big pillow just falls from him. And he just like jumps to the bar, just doing one-arm pull-ups, and just eating an apple. <laughs> like, there's nothing more BA <laughs> than that. <laughs> I full dis full disclosure. I I have a pull up bar. I try to I do, do I try to do a certain number of pull ups every day just to try to get better. I don't really work out. Okay. It's just one of those easy things where every time I walk through that doorway, I do pull ups. I've been doing this for like a year, give or take. I can mm. still only do a maximum of wide grip. I can do twelve whole pull ups wide grip, two hands. <laughs> And so I just really like the vision of this 60-year-old man eating an apple, doing one-handed pull-ups in his cell. There's something that gets me uh, gets me all fired up, pun intended, about seeing him do that. But I'm also a weakling, so it's not a good comparison. Yeah, I think right now I could do, and I don't do pull-ups that much, but I do have a bar. At my peak, when I was working out, my peak. Okay. <laughs> I mean, everybody has a peak. Man, when I was a younger eyes. man. Yeah. No, just when I was like working out like four times a week. Not and not even hard working, I just like playing basketball, doing two miles on treadmill, lifting various weights. I could do maybe like one pull up with one arm. Um and then and then uh overhand, whatever wide, I could probably do like fifteen straight and then and then probably like 17 because this is easier yeah it, inverted is. in here and i can get about 15 and wide i can do like 12 yeah but i remember uh not to toot my own horn here but i remember in gym class in ninth grade we're taking this like assessment test and uh and we got to pull-ups and i don't even know i've never done pull-ups before but like everyone's doing the pull-ups and like people are only doing like five at most and i get up there i'm just like one, two. I'm like, wait, what? How am I even doing this? And I do ten. <laughs> and they're like, look at him. I'm like, yeah, look at. Him. It's like, it's like I got, it's like I was Peter Parker and I got superpowers. <laughs> the thing is, that's the old. That was the only thing I could do. Other thing than that, I wasn't like great at. I could just do pull-ups well for some reason, relatively well, not that well, but. I was say I got at running. I eventually got good at running, but otherwise I failed all those physical fitness tests. I like sports. I'm not good at them. That's important to hear. Uh, <laughs> running though, one time I was good at running. But so well, for some well, reason, I, for some reason, I you know we play intramural basketball a lot. Uh, I remember one time at a game, I threw you like a really good pass. It got you wide open, like right near the basketball goal, <laughs> and you shot it. You completely missed it. That sounds exactly. And on the way back, 
you like looked at me like I'm, I'm sorry like it was like i don't care that sounds 100 percent like me like, to a t <laughs> like sure i do like to win like i am competitive but i'm not i'll never get mad at people i'm not mad when i when i lose i mean i really really like to win but um <laughs> but it's, it's funny. that sounds like me uh <laughs> one time in high school basketball so we didn't have a c team uh, but we were we were a really small school, but we really always had big basketball teams. Not good, just big. And I wasn't very good. We never had a C team. So even on the JV team, I never got to play many minutes. So I was like a junior already playing JV. And I got to go in the game for a couple minutes. And uh, I like LeBron. In, in transition, I came up and I like LeBron swatted a guy. And I actually pinned it. So I pinned it against the backboard. Ooh. And it's scared. You don't you don't expect to do this when you're small and unathletic. And I don't know. I didn't know what had happened at the time. But I like caught up and I like pinned that shit against backboard. I felt so cool. And then only at that point do I realize it was one of those backboards that drops down like a foot below where the rim yeah, is. Still, so it's still cool. Oh, it was. Oh, it's still easily like the highlight of my entire basketball career. But yeah. like when you're not thinking about it first, it's like how did I do that? And then I turn around <laughs> and I look and I was like. That's right. <laughs> Easily the highlight of my whole basketball life was that one block shot. Mm-hmm. But felt really good. I never got good at basketball. That's okay. I still... Nothing... No individual sport-like activity gives me as much joy as just generally shooting hoops. I need a basketball yeah. in my house. Like a goal in my house somehow. I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. Yeah, I'm getting back into playing basketball. Uh, going back to the gym. Got a gym membership. Uh, been going like twice a week last couple of weeks, so it's, it's really good to get back. Gym with gym. courts, yes, yeah, excellent, yeah. excellent. I'm glad you get back into it. We used to play a lot of ball. <laughs> uh, all right, now that we've diverted all the way from there, it's been a basketball. Sorry. You know, it's supposed to be a basketball episode. That was we yeah. we needed that this week. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the episode, though, is it where is it this one where he tells the lady not to be here on a certain day? No, or is that the no, next that's, episode? That's, that's not until the day of Black Sun. And that's okay. Serena Williams. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, yeah, that's probably the end of this episode. So I'm going yeah, to ended. Yeah, I think it just ended with them getting the White Lotus. You're right. I think that is actually the last portion. Yes. All right. My ratings. Audiovisual 8. Real of the Sword Fight. That's pretty much the gist of it. And also do like the, uh, the intro with the Blue Flame Meteor Shower. <laughs> Which can explain. Um, <laughs> Even science story, can explain it. Yeah. Story, a seven. It doesn't... Uh, it feels a little forced because Sokka doesn't need to go through this, honestly. And Sokka being a master swordsman isn't all that vital to the show. I do like that he got the sword because it makes him look cooler, but if he yeah, still had his club, if he still had his club, it would be not that much different story-wise but i, I do still wish he would have i wish he would have found a boomerang master instead that would have been hilarious <laughs> no he's he's already pretty good at the boomerang he's, he's solid he's i don't think he needs the yeah um memorable a uh the most memorable but i remember when i watched it i re-watched it immediately afterwards the first time uh, when it premiered because just everything happening with iroh was just really cool um, and i mentioned before but uh, in the commentary talking about the the art of war and knowing your enemy and stuff like that and how Iroh is just like if I, Iroh would have studied the art of war <laughs> and like this is like uh, you know making your enemy believe something that's not it 
Right. But that brings me out to a 7.5 out of 10. That's a fine episode. It's a fairly fillery, though. I was, a, I was a little surprised. That seemed like it came out low relative. You know, when I look and I just see the list, I don't see the titles. I just see number, episode, and then scores. And it seemed low, but that, that's fine. It's fine. It just It's only surprising because this is actually probably in my top 10 episodes of the first uh, uh, of, of Avatar Last Airbender. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you take the two-part episodes that we really enjoy and you count those as like one entity. This is yeah. probably in my top 10. Uh, audiovisual, it's it's great. There's nothing spectacular, but there's a lot of really good animation, good sound effects, voice acting. Love it. Story, I also gave that a nine. It, uh, I I kind of disagree. I don't. I understand as a young person how, for the same reasons that we cut Suko lots of slack for acting like a douchebag all the time, I'm gonna cut Sokka plenty of slack for having one oh, day. That's- that's where, fair. That's fair. Where he is like just you know he's he's getting a little jealous of of the attention and the special, not even special treatment, but like that all these things are designed around these people going and get this training or whatnot. Um, so I actually love that as a development. Uh, I do agree that it feels maybe a little like uh, maybe a little out of place. Um, but regardless, I think as usual, our disagreements tend to come from like this stands alone as a very good story. It's probably kind of larger, inconsequential, other than the B plot is probably more important than the A plot, which is a little strange. But I love True. it. And then memorable, uh, I, to me, very memorable because it's got the humor, the sword fighting, favorite characters. It focuses on my two favorite characters, both plots. Um, the B plot is perfect. It's exactly what I want out of a B plot, which is almost like a teaser for, for bigger things to come. That's what I want my B plots to be. And then the A plot is really interesting to me too. So I love it. Came even nine. That gave us a nice 8.3, which in the grand scheme of our episodes is is good solid placement. Yeah. That's probably the widest we've been. I think I don't know. That might uh, be among our half. widest margins, yeah. especially given the weight that you put on story. So your story at seven with the weight that you have it, that really that like drug it. But I'm not I'm not here to bash. That's fine. It's yeah. If we didn't have differing opinions, our top and bottom five episodes would be really boring. Uh, one thing we didn't mention was um, how Team Avatar is without Sokka. <laughs> it was just really boring, and Katara tries to fill up with that with with jokes, but she's not. Funny. I forgot all no. about that. Yeah, it's great when she's trying to. It's so I forget what she said. It's so something outside. Yeah, it's so hot that Momo is shedding. She, that's like, what it is oh and she's trying god bless her <laughs> i forgot all about that part that is great though yeah this is an interesting uh taka episode actually because uh <laughs> katara says like you know top says she misses Sokka. she's like well if you miss him so much why don't you marry him and then they respond to it in like a way uh, but then when Sokka comes back Toph is really excited to see him um, uh, to see then... him <laughs> chris, chris you jerk <laughs> Oh, go <laughs> so I was really excited to see him with her feet, sense him physically with her feet. Sounds, <laughs> sounds weird out of context. <laughs> sounds <you> worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that sounds worse somehow. I don't know why. Um, I get it. This is me being childish. It's fine. Yeah. And then she uh, she blushes when about him. So. Uh, but just uh, you know, a little, little bit of talk stuff there for all those talk, talk, talk shippers plugs. out there. Talk plugs. Yeah. 
I don't, there are a lot of Taka shippers out there. I gotta be honest, sure. I don't remember what I what my feelings were on the Taka ship. I think long term I'm a no go, but you know within within the immediate context of the episode is pretty cute. Yeah. But I think long term I was a sink. <laughs> or maybe a float. I don't know. I wasn't big on a lot of those ships. I think I think I floated that one. Uh, that was a great that was a great podcast episode. We got tons of downloads and tons of views. I loved seeing <laughs> that episode out there. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Also, shout out to anybody, any new listeners out there. I think we've gotten a little bit more. Like people, some some people have come to my video. So, oh, I'm here from After Our Last Podcasters. What? I'm like, oh, really? That's interesting. Uh, that, yeah, that doesn't happen all so that often. Fun. I'm gonna say that ha- that's like the one percent in a literal way. <laughs> that is the one out of a hundred. Is that person? That's awesome though. That's great. Um, it was really gratifying to see the. I, I always look at the downloads of the audio only. And that compiles downloads from like iTunes and Spotify, Google Play. Yeah. Uh, and so, but when it's downloads, like it's not playing in the browser. Like these people are, you yeah. know, they may not ever listen to it, but they're actively like saving it to their phone to listen to later. And I don't know why that's so flattering to me, but it's like people trying to save our stuff on their phones. And that's pretty cool. 10 whole people trying to save our stuff on their phones. Yeah. I know it doesn't seem like that much, but it's kind of flattering to think about. So, Thank you, fans. Yeah, thousands, and fans thousands of people. Thousands of people. Perception is everything. Sean. That's right. Thousands of people. Well, I'm assuming if ten downloaded it, hopefully that means thousands saw it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, hey, thanks, fans. On that note, and here as as your reward, here's a picture of Buff Iro. Sorry if you're on the audio only uh, version. What a great picture, though. I love Buff Iro. Thing is, okay, it is interesting, but he seems way bigger. Seems too tall here than 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 he did. And uh, when we meet him again in the old masters, he he just seems too tall here. Like, like he didn't grow taller. He just worked out. Yeah, like in old masters, he looks like he slimmed down, but didn't bulk up. <laughs> Granted, in here he's like, oh, I bulked up, or maybe he was like, oh, I bulked up. I got too big. I gotta, I gotta come down. Well, maybe it was just to get out, right? He, it's not like a larger mission type of thing. It's what, what's yeah. the best use of my time right now? Bulk up, get out, and then after that, he's like, all right, all right, don't gotta work out anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's start going back to normal. Uh, thank thank you, fans. Thank you, Chris. Next week we will have a. I, I think our goal is to have a special guest on. And the reason is because the episode is garbage, so we're trying to do something to to make it sound better. And no, I'm just kidding. That's not that's not my assessment that, of it. But. That that opinion is not a representative of this YouTube channel or of other people on. <laughs> it's just my opinion. No, uh, but we will have Jamie on hopefully if she's available to talk about that episode. As well as waffles. Be t- oh, yes. Waffles versus <laughs> waffles pancakes. Versus. That's very important. And then hopefully other something that is more important than waffles <laughs> versus pancakes. I have, you know, what's going to be bad is that I'm going to have like stronger feelings on next week's episode in the waffles <laughs> versus pancakes debates than I have on like anything else. Good, Such inconsequential nonsense. But I'm going to bring the heat. So get ready. <laughs> bring the heat. I'm going to bring the waffles. I'll be happy. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, go follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We've been doing pretty good at interacting on Twitter. Uh, not quite as much on Instagram, but trying to be active on both. And that's at last underscore podcasters. Or as always on the Facebook page, Chris is the objective geek on, on YouTube and objective underscore geek on Twitter. 
So go follow us, hang out with us, give us your thoughts on the next episode, especially because I would love to be, you know, I would love to not be converted, but I'd love to hear reasons why I should be converted and like the episode better. So in the meantime, I'm Sean. That's Chris. This is Avatar The Last Podcasters, and we will see you next time.